Welcome to Taking the High Road, a Driver Reach and Freight Waves production. I'm your host, Jeremy Raymer, founder and CEO of Driver Reach, a modern recruiting and compliance software solution. On this show, I interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insights to the driver lifecycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges, driver recruiting and retention. I appreciate all the positive feedback on the show. Please remember to rate and review Taking the High Road, whatever platform you use to listen. This week's episode marks an important milestone as this is the 100th episode of Taking the Higher Road, and I'm honored to have joining me today someone who's become a very close friend the past few years, an industry thought leader, an entrepreneurial change maker, and strategic executive, Brian Sioko, the EVP of Risk Resources at Accresure and former CEO of Jetco Delivery prior uh, to his successful exit. He's also the author of some of my favorite reads in the industry, Driving to Perfection and Leading People Safely. Uh, so glad to have you on the show, Brian. Well, thank you, uh, Jeremy. It's great to be with you. And hey, congratulations on, on 100 episodes. That, that's a huge milestone. Well, well, I appreciate that. I actually thought of wearing those uh, 100, goofy, you know, 100, you know, glasses, yeah. sort of like you wear at New Year's and stuff. Uh, uh, didn't get around to it. I guess just life and, and busyness got in the way, but that would have maybe been been fun for a, for a minute, for a novelty. Uh, I'm excited to get into your background uh, as well as learn about AccuSure and your mission there. Anxious to hear your take on on what's going on in the market now, especially as you know we're you know we seem to be back in 2019 again, and uh, you know how can we focus on attracting the right type of drivers, make sure we keep them, you know, all with safety and, and compliance at the forefront, and then I also want to make sure we have uh, time for a question from a listener during our deeper dive segment. Does that all work for you? That sounds great. Let's roll. All right. Well, you and I have uh, shared a, a lot of book recommendations over the years, and so as is customary, I'd like to ask. If you have any book uh, thoughts or recommendations for the audience, you know anything, whether it's recent or old, that you've read that uh, that you might suggest. Well, Jeremy, I'm going to give you the recommendation of the one book. If somebody took away all my books and left me with one business book, it would be The Advantage by Pat Lencioni. That to me is the book on organizational health, and it makes the case why the more you can invest on your internal strength, the strength of your company on the inside the better everything happens in terms of the customer experience and, you know, in our world, safety. So the the one book, if you took them all away, is The Advantage. That's great. And I appreciate that. I've got several book uh, books by uh, Lencioni, and uh, I know I've read at least one of them, and I've got a few. They're, I know some of them at least are on my shelf behind me, So, but I don't think I have that one. So now you've got one that I'll, I'll buy. And The Advantage is basically the greatest hits album. So in other words, he takes all of his other books, and the advantage is the summation, which is why I recommend it so much. So instead of reading all five, six, seven of his books that preceded that, you read the advantage. And it's also smart of him to do that uh, for more book sales. <laughs> but uh, but I'm with you, and 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 I appreciate that uh, recommendation for me and and for the audience. You know, you and I first met while you were still leading Jetco Delivery. Uh, you were speaking at a number of uh, events that I attended, and uh, you were highlighting your book, Driving to Perfection, which I I remember buying. Uh, copies of that book for my entire leadership team at my previous company before Driver Reach. And, you know, we broke that book down. We had dozens of takeaways that we incorporated into our to our onboarding, our 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 process, and our culture. So that was that was fantastic. That thought leadership was super impactful to me. And uh, I'm curious though uh, if you would maybe share with the audience, you know, how did you how did you become a leader in the trucking industry? This is not what you've been doing your entire career. What brought you into the uh, into the industry? Well, my, my career is one that, you know, was never laid out, you know, from the beginning to the end. Um, I began my career, Jeremy, in Milwaukee. 
practicing corporate law. Uh, and then over the six years, I got to know a client very well. Um, and they were in the recycling business. And they made me an offer to move from law to being their chief operating officer. And I ran, ran, jumped. Um, and that was a very good experience. And that was actually my first experience, obviously, at trucks because we had a you know, fleet to pick up recyclables. It was a captive fleet. Um, we sold that company to Waste Management, and that's what brought me from Milwaukee to Houston. Um, I worked at Waste for a couple of years and learned a lot. Everything I know about safety and safety leadership, I attribute to the folks I worked with at Waste. And then I realized, you know what? I had the itch to start my own thing. And by that point, having been at Waste and in recycling for so long, I understood trucks. I understood truck safety, drivers. I didn't understand for hire, but I figured I could learn that. And so I found Jetco Delivery, um, and it was a company that you know was uh, started in 1976, and so now fast forward to 2006, and the owners were um, uh, ready to sell, and it just it just worked. In fact, one of the gentlemen that owned the company uh, still works there part time. Wow! So Great. I love still even to this day. To this day, um, I, I have this philosophy that most of the time. When an acquisition goes bad, the buyer screws it up. It's like, oh, look at this toy. I bought it. It's mine. I get to do, it, do what I want with it. And I promised myself that I never had the privilege to buy a company on my own. I wasn't going to do that. And I didn't. And so I took the best of what was in that company's culture long before I got there. And then we just grew. It. We added. We invested. But, but a lot of the core of what was at Jetco the day I walked in, is still there from a culture and a value standpoint, and I'm really proud of that. Well, what what I learned from reading uh, the when you were going when you were speaking so much, it was all about safety as a as a core value, something that was so important and separated you. I mean, even from a smart business opportunity, there it separated you from so many of your peers. I felt like, and you know, obviously, you know, in the in the meantime, you've sold Jetco, and you've now moved on and and you are and you decided to to work with Acushure. I'm just curious first before we, you know, talk about what inspired you to do that, what can you share uh, about Acushure? Well, Acushure is um the fourth biggest insurance broker uh in the country. And in fact, it wouldn't surprise me if they became number 3 quickly. It's an amazing story. Just an amazing success and growth story. And um I got to know some of the people at Acushure uh, through some of the work I did, not just at Jetco, but the speaking and the consulting work that I do. And uh, so then when the opportunity came up after I left Jetco, um, I left Jetco for a specific reason, okay? Now, did I know that this was going to happen at Acrisure? No. But the goal was to help companies do a better job managing risk, building safety cultures, building company cultures, and hopefully gaining a competitive advantage by you know, uh, by taking control of their insurance costs, and that's stuff I, as you said, I've talked about for a long time, and I knew that's what I wanted to do. And then when when um, I connected with Acrisure, it just made sense to do it here. It's such a dynamic, growing company. Well, it definitely makes a lot of sense. You and I have have, have talked about it, especially shortly after uh, after you transitioned there, and it it's a natural fit for sure. How how would you say that your your background in leadership and and certainly commitment to safety as a core value. How, how did that inspire you to, to take on this role? Well, Jeremy, it's, it's what I wanted to do. And I think, you know, um, I understand 
safety-sensitive, high-hazard businesses from the standpoint of an operator. Uh, you know, not not necessarily as a as a as a consultant. So I can bring an operator's perspective because you see, none of this is you, know, you can't find a lot of this in in, in the textbook or in in, in the regulations. It, it sort of comes from knowing how you're going to show up as as a leader, having having a non-negotiable set of core values that you're leading from, and then how you take that and you per- make it permeate throughout the whole organization. Um, there are, there are just certain things you just you you can only learn in my opinion kind of the hard way and you know i've I've got the scars to prove it (laughs) and so my mission my goal was to teach others what i learned hopefully help them along whether they're 10 trucks or 5,000. a lot of the principles are the same well i look forward to working with you along those lines as well uh because i think i know we share a lot of the same uh passion especially from a from a safety and compliance standpoint and i speak you know going back to when i own trucks when I was a an employer of hundreds of CDL drivers. That that was really important to me as well. Um, now, you were recently uh, named or recognized as a CEO who who gets it when it comes to safety. I know that was uh, a Safety and Health magazine um, uh, recognition. There, could you could you walk me and and in those listening here through through the ways that a safety focused mindset actually impacts a business at every level. Because certainly you, we, we kind of touched on the fact that it can be a differentiator, a, a competitive advantage as for a company versus their, its peers. What, where else uh, can that have an impact at, at various business levels? Well, safety is one of those things that not only is it the right thing to do, but it's a really good business strategy in terms of driving the bottom line, you know, attracting the right customers, attracting the right employees. Um, so for me, the idea of there being a safety culture or a safety department that's somehow separate from your company culture and your company department d- departments, your operations team doesn't make sense. In other words, to me, safety has to just be part of the enterprise. It's holistic. It's woven in. Everybody understands what it means to be safe. Everybody manages their own behavior. They commit to do the right thing when nobody's looking. Um, and, and that, starts with hiring the right people. You know, I, I would always tell, I know we've joked about this, Jeremy, it's, it's really pretty easy to hire drivers, but it's really difficult to hire the right drivers <laughs> and the right employees. So starting from hiring and, and then looking at orientation, ongoing training, I think most importantly, a process called integration, uh, which is that first year of employment, right? All these things have to come together and, and nobody can have the attitude that that one particular project, that one particular load is more important than the family I'm driving next to, more important than my life. We all know our, our priorities, where they lie. We know our values. And, you know, if, if we're running late, we, we, we call the shipper, we call the receiver, we tell them, we apologize, but we don't cut those corners just to make up for time. These are some of the understandings we have to have. Um, in process. We don't need 600-page handbooks, really. If you give me one, I'm not going to read it. I want fewer processes that are actually understandable by the intended audience. These are some of the things that have to go into a robust uh, company and safety culture. Well, I know right now, especially, you know, being more, you know, safety-minded, uh, safety-focused, um, it's, I feel like it's more front and center today, uh, especially with the you know nonstop you know nuclear verdicts and settlements, the reptile theory that you constantly are hearing about, 
that's being pushed from you know plaintiffs' attorneys. Um, I know it's easy or easier, I guess, for fleets to overlook or maybe tree less critical the importance of safety and compliance when there's you know, this mad dash for for growth, you know, booming economy. Um, but that is so dangerous. Uh, so I so I appreciate all you know the words that you're saying there because it's foundational, it's fundamental, and it permeates through every uh, aspect of the organization. What would you say? I know that there are a lot of folks, and I'm actually I'm having a lot of fun uh, going on the circuit this year, uh, speaking at uh, a few different uh, insurance related you know agency events, and you know I I know that the cost of insurance continues to rise, and that's a big challenge. And so I'm hearing these conversations. What do you say to people who are, are so quick to, to say that insurance is already too expensive? You know, I, I can't devote more capital uh, to safety programs and that sort of thing. Because that is kind of the mindset for some. Well, it's a common mindset, but I would say it's the wrong way to approach it. Yeah, look, insurance is not cheap by no, by no stretch. But I can tell you from my experience running uh, a Jetco for so long, and now being an accrisher, insurance, let's just stick with trucks for a minute, right? The first million dollars of auto liability, let's just stick with that for a minute. It's always within a range, right? So there are certain things you can't control, but within that range, you have a lot of control. So you have a choice, I think, as, as an insured to either say, oh my gosh, you know, poor me, the insurance costs keep going up, I can't do anything about it. Or you got to say, no, I can do something. I'm going to do something. I'm going to focus on that portion of my insurance that's in my control. And, and, and if you do that, your costs are lower than, than the average, uh, you're more profitable, and you have a competitive advantage. But you've got to make a decision to understand what's driving your loss, uh, how you're going to control it. And if you do that, and, and again, it's got to be leader-driven and employee-owned, you can accomplish it. To me, insurance, the insurance quote is sort of like a report card. You know, in other words, um, your your it, it, your your insurance cost is somewhat of a reflection of how well are you managing risk, how are your losses. Any company, the safest, best company out there, can have you know a, a, a bad loss on the wrong day, but it's the frequency. It's I'm much more I, I'm much less focused on that nuclear verdict we read about, and I'm much more focused on you know speeding, 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 and 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 backing, 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 and lane changes that we can't fix, right? Because those are the things that will ultimately lead up to the big one. You have a lot of those quote unquote small ones, even though there is no such thing as a minor crash, and the big one's going to come. So to me, it's, it's, it's focusing on operational excellence if you really want to drive safe results. And those safe results are what will impact your insurance cost. Well, I want to connect a couple of dots here. You know, our audience is focused primarily around recruiting and retention, right? That's what matters. That's, that's why the show exists, right? Um, and we're talking a lot about safety and compliance. We're talking about you know a safety culture and core values because I'm talking to you, and this is this is what you this is who you are. This is what you're about. You were recently, well, I shouldn't say you, Jetco, and right the company that the legacy that you left behind there from a safety uh, culture and a core value standpoint uh, was recently recognized uh, as a top fleet to drive for in 2023. Safety is uh, is foundational. How does it happen that a company that's so focused on safety and compliance that that they are recognized as a top fleet to drive for? Not that those two necessarily should be at odds because they shouldn't be, 
But how how is how how is in using Jetco as a perfect example of the benefits of you know safety and compliance being core values? How how are those dots connected? Because I want to inspire the folks that are watching this to say yes, this can be us. We can solve for some of the challenges that we have. Um, yeah, I mean, I was really excited for Jetco, Kyle, Kristinik, and the team to win in twenty three. Uh, we we were recognized in twenty one also. And so it's nice to see that continuity, right? Because if you recognize once, that's great. You start to see the continuity. And remember, the, the best fleets award is based on uh, driver input. It's, 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 you can't, it's not who writes the prettiest application. And so absolutely it's safety. Because, you know, look, the old school thinking is that safety competes with productivity. Wrong. The, sa- the most productive fleets are the safest. The old school rule is that, you know, safety is full of rules and it's strict and, you know, the, the, the employees don't like it. Wrong. If you put safety first in a genuine, organic way, your employees know they come first. They know they're cared for. They know that nothing's more important than getting you home um, to your family, to getting you home, you know, in, in a high hazard business, uh, you know, and, you know, that's the most important thing. So now, does every employee feel that way? Well, of course not. There are some who are like, well, you're not going to put cameras in my trucks. Well, great. Then don't drive for me. Okay. But the ones who get it, that's my audience. I'm not, you know, I was never out there for everybody. I, day, day one, when I walked into Jetco and I bought the company, I said, my goal, Jeremy, is not to be the biggest. I don't care. I want to be the best by the standards that we set for ourselves. And I think we stayed true to that goal by, by putting our employees first. Um, and that's what a safety culture is all about. And and I think as as we get into some of the things we've been reading in the news about you know East uh, Palestine, uh, and 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 the the derailments, we're we're, we're going to see more and more of 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 those kinds of things. It, look, it, it wasn't a wheel that overheated. It's what were all the human factors that got us to that point. So so you know people think well safety is expensive. Well consider the cost of being unsafe. Uh, people think you know that safety is like being higher on your employees. No. Now, being easy and looking the other way on, on safety is being lazy. Being, you know, being, being good to your employees is putting them first. So you have to rewire the thinking. And again, if everybody doesn't get it, that's okay. Cause I don't need everybody. I need the ones who do. And by and large, we succeeded with that in the office, in the shop and on the road. And by the way, in doing that, you also attract the best customer, right? Not all business is good to have. So you, you, you want to get the best customers and the ones that, understand safety and more and more customers are are auditing you on safety and and they want to know about your insurance losses and they want to know about your driver hiring criteria and and they want to know about your training uh, because they understand that if they don't they could be accused of negligently entrusting somebody with the load now now they're part of the lawsuit customers care in a way that they've never cared uh you know 20 30 years ago now you know, uh, we talked about this, you know, the nuclear verdict backdrop. You know, I, I know we've got our, hopefully we've got the audience's ears perked in terms of the, the correlation between a, you know, safety and compliance being, you know, at the forefront of your operation and permeate throughout the organization and and the the, the benefit from a recruiting and, and retention standpoint. Uh, can you share just kind of getting back to the work that you do now with Acusure, how are you helping carriers address, you know, the things that they can control? You know, improve on those challenges that they're what they we're all facing, right, in regards to insurance costs and, and risk in general. 
Well, we're providing them with the tools to make it happen. So we're providing, uh, you know, in, insureds with the training, the, the, the tools, whether it's, you know, live events, uh, uh, webinars, virtual events, consulting, um, you know, PDF, you know, reading. Uh, I mean, every which way we're providing them with tools to get their arms around risk and to, um, uh, you know, build safe cultures to lower their insurance costs. And, you know, I've, I've been able to put a lot of kind of what I know into what we're developing in AcroSure. So I really focused on accessibility. I focused on ease of implementation. I've, I've, I've tried to keep things as streamlined and simple and accessible as possible because the stuff we talk about here is, is not out of the reach of anybody as long as they have the desire to make it happen. But, but to your point, it is top down. That is really important. For it to really last, that's got to be a top-down, uh, you know, execution. Is that correct? Yeah. Look, the, the signs on the wall don't matter. Tear them all down. I don't care what the sign on the wall is. I care about how you show up. I care about how you act. And it's got to be leader-driven because you know the leader no can say, "Oh, safety is important and safety is the priority and all that," but their actions might be like, you know, um, you know load the wagon and forget about the horse. You know what I mean? I mean, the, the if the actions don't match the words, it's even worse because now they look hypocritical. So leader actions are more important than anything. In, in a healthy company culture, in a healthy safety culture, it's leader-driven and employee-owned. Both components have to be there. Well, I do I do want to get to the deeper dive question. I know we've got just a, about a minute and a half left, but I also want to just... Just to let everybody know, you've actually got a third book uh, on its way. I, I think it may not be till next year. Um, can you share real quick, what's the title, what's the working title, at least, of that book and something that we can be prepared for? Yeah, the working title is Unbeatable Engagement. And uh, I'm definitely going to publish it in 24. I'm pretty much putting the final touches on it and having a lot of fun with it. So I'm sort of taking my time, you know? I mean, it's I really tried to summarize... Um, what I've learned over the course of uh, my my career, and there will be some common themes from the past books, but then a lot of new takes and and new ideas. So, you know, I, my my guess is I'll be turning it over to the publisher by the by the summer, and then we'll we'll have it out, you know, a year later. So I'm I'm really really excited about it. Well, then I look forward to asking you to join me again on the on the show, and we can talk about that book, and that'll be your third time uh, on the show. So, uh, be. Before we jump, I do want to get, I, I don't want to neglect this listener's question. The question is, uh, the deeper dive question, from a driver shortage standpoint, there's definitely a shortage of qualified drivers. Any suggestions for how to find and attract the right professional drivers? That may be kind of a loaded question, but in your, you know, 30 second, you know, response, what would you, what would you suggest? Well, yeah, it's a little bit of a, a loaded question because I'm, I'm talking to the master here. I mean, I could interview you about that. But from my standpoint as an operator, um, what I would look at is always hiring for value alignment. And so, you know, I mean, you know, road tests and technical skills are important, but I can find a lot of people that would pass that test. I'm looking at hiring the right people. And one of the things that I'll give you two things that really, I think, helped us a lot. Number one, peer-to-peer interviews. Um, so that in addition to having a supervisor or manager do the interviewing, I want a prospective coworker to do the interviewing. Because quite frankly, if, I, if, we're, if, I, if we're hiring a professional driver, 
I would trust another one of my driver's eyes more than I trust my own eyes. So, so basically we had people that were specially trained, you know, trained the trainers. They were in the interview process. And if I got a thumbs up or I got a thumbs down from them, um, I listened uh, because they knew, they knew, and they knew how to hire for values. It wasn't like, can you back a truck? It was like, you know, let's talk about that lead foot. Um, and can you control yourself when, when nobody's looking? That's number one. Number two is whatever your orientation program is, a couple days, a couple of weeks, whatever it is, fine, go with it. But I will argue that the real magic happens in integration. And integration is that, let's say, up to a year from when the employee starts, you have to have different checkpoints with different people. Nobody's going to buy into your culture fully. Nobody's going to sort of drink the Kool-Aid in a week or two. It doesn't happen. It takes a while for you to see if that person's a fit and for them to see if, if, if they want to stay. So what I saw was a fair amount of turbulence, uh, turnover, in other words, Jeremy, in that first year. But after that first year, we like you, you like us, then the odds are um, uh, that you're going to stay. So the more you can invest in, let's call it that one-year integration period, which is different than orientation, now your odds of success are going uh, way up. And, you know, people talk, Jeremy, about the cost of turnover. I think you and I know what the cost of turnover is, but whatever people look at doesn't take into account morale. Uh, other people saying, why are all these other good employees leaving? It doesn't take into account rehire, training, the service and safety issues that happen. So investing in retention of good employees and guarding the gates at the front end is absolutely critical to a good uh, hiring and onboarding program. And to your point, it starts with value alignment. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, because like, like we were saying before, you can, you can fill your trucks up, but the question is with the right people. And that with the right people is where the skill and the leadership investment have to come in, uh, as well as obviously, you know, working with a company like Driver Reach had tremendous uh, results for us because we know where we're the experts and we sure know where we're not. Well, I, I appreciate the plug on uh, on Driver Reach. That certainly wasn't the intent, but but Brian, thank you so much for being a part of this special 100th episode of Taking the High Road. Uh, I appreciate your leadership, your passion for the industry, and and look forward to continued opportunities to partner together. Thank you. And thanks for joining me for another episode of Taking the High Road and for spreading the word to your industry peers. We really appreciate it. Remember, you can submit any questions or comments, including the, those which may appear on upcoming Deeper Dive segments at podcast at driverreach.com. And don't forget to rate and review Taking the Higher Road, whatever platform you use to listen. Until next time, thank you for Taking the Higher Road.